Gopalan is the Managing Director of Global Automation Private Limited. A graduate of the Madras Institute of Technology, he has held senior positions at Tata Unisys before becoming an entrepreneur. Over the years, he has mentored many professionals and is always a go-to person for many of us when we need a sounding board or just a shoulder to lean on. In all his roles, he has been able to bring in a blend of technology and technical aspects as well as the business and software aspects of teams and dynamics and balance them very nicely. Welcome Gopal. For the benefit of our guests, uh, I thought it would be best if uh, you can introduce yourself. Mm. How do I introduce myself in the context of what we are going to discuss? Uh, <laughs> well, I don't know what we are going to discuss. So the context broadly is about you know, the software uh, life cycle. Right. But then uh, now, now we are talking to you as Gopal. Right. And I'm sure you have a lot more dimensions than just the software part. So whatever is the way you would like to be known, I thought uh, that's why I said no, it's probably best if you introduce yourself. Okay. Um, how would I like to be known? I don't know. But I would like, like to believe myself to be, so I think, I would like to think of myself as a very simple thinking individual and who's uh, generally happy to try out uh, different things in uh, every possible place without uh, without risking the very basic thing that I'm trying to do. And uh, I have been in the same industry, software industry, since my electronics engineering. And my love for electronics engineering is still there. And I so try to read up. But uh, because of exposure, I know about software delivery, software ma delivery management, lot more than electronics engineering in software delivery i've been like you said we've been knowing uh, each other for a long time right from the time of uh, mainframes and uh, batch programming and those days till now uh, batch processing till now so my exposure is uh, relatively long and along the way i think i have uh, learned a lot and relearned a lot and I'm still learning There's a lot of things that are uh, many things are the same yet many things are very different when I observe them today when I see software development as a process so it's been exciting and I want to continue to remain excited by observing and learning more that's that's what I believe I am yeah, yeah. thanks Gopal and for the uh, benefit of the listeners uh, Gopal uh, as it came out even in his own introduction, is uh, quite modest. Uh, he has been in the industry for, I guess, close to four decades. And it may sound a long time, but uh, yeah, that's uh, a time when the industry also has evolved a lot. And from uh, you know, being a programmer to profit center management, including uh, 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 what I like to label as a perennial startup. You know, this whole inquisitiveness and trying to keep reinventing and doing that. You know, Gopal has been very successful in um, you know, creating things that you know, last. And also amongst uh, you know, our circles, you know, he's also considered as a, a mentor who is always a you know, shoulder to cry on or somebody who's a sounding board who also comes up with you know, genuine uh, 
you know takes a genuine interest in what you're doing and then then helps you so with that uh, introduction uh, gopal uh, since you said that you, know, you studied electronics but then got into software no how did you get into software pretty much by accident i didn't know what i was getting into it was a campus placement uh, from tata baros and uh, honestly all i had done was uh, one course in fortran i still remember the question that the interviewer asked about my exposure to computers i said i have not seen a computer except one from a distance of about 20 feet on ibm 360 that was there and i had um, you know at microprocessor level i can do things but i had i really had no hang of what programming was all about what software was really about and uh, got into the company uh, tata baros and learned everything out there so whatever i know in software is thanks to my first job so it was an accident in fact after joining in 3 to 4 months i actually wanted to quit and go back to my soldering and those were the days mm. but um, as destiny would have it um, i am still in software mm. good um, and uh, your career has also taken you to you know different parts of the world you worked on different technologies like you said the mainframe to microcomputers and all that um is there anything that you can share about uh, the nature of software itself does it vary from you know country to country culture to culture or language to language mainframe to micro and all that um there are there are some differences i i i do believe there are a lot of ways in which um, uh, ultimately when you look at software it is the one that uh, which is the part that gets exposed to a user a lot and when you look at users their culture the way they expect things to happen everything uh, varies for example uh, as a programmer when i got started as a programmer the key was to try and simplify and codify and do everything around that so that's how i learned this whole art of application programming but then yeah. very first time i was completely thrown off balance was when i, when I was working with a when i was trying to implement something for a customer in new zealand and uh, this was to do with uh, with the wool and uh, mm-hmm. there were colors that he wanted to enter in you know on particular screen mm-hmm. and we had codified the various colors that he had and we had asked him to pick from the code mm-hmm. and the names will be long and confusing you can't even i can't even reproduce the names that he had for various colors mm-hmm. but he insisted that he will not enter the code but he will actually enter the full name Okay. so it was a, you know it was taking too much space it was too difficult to key it in precisely he would but he will not change he has been writing those names down in his in his journal regularly so he he only thought that way so he just wouldn't change mm-hmm. and as a young programmer my thing was he is stupid i mean mm. why would he want to do something more complicated than you know so you you had that early programmer arrogance as i call it when mm. you think you know more than what the user wants but mm. then that was the first time i was stopped by somebody and said you are working for him he is not working for you so mm. you need mm. to make sure that you address his requirement rather than trying to force your thoughts onto him mm. so at best you should give him an option so over time maybe he will convert so that 
so from that point onward that is when it comes to users as a culture also there are differences for example i think the europeans or the americans or the south Amer they all have a different uh, aesthetic sense so the screen that is presented i felt had to be designed with that in mind in terms of positioning of you know in those days it was you know you had these fields in which you could enter it was not so much of a graphic user interface or even now if you take graphic interfaces certain interfaces certain color combinations certain patterns are more appealing to some cultures compared to others so it's like movies you know you find that the movie same medium but when a same story same love story itself when it is presented in different cultures you actually present it differently it's like that even when it comes to software so as a user uh, they do have a lot of uh, cultural social background that makes them you know like certain ways rather than the other ways and as a as a developer your interest is to make users use your product so you need to understand that to the best you can and then take local help to make it more appropriate to that community hmm, very interesting i think particularly when you talk about the you know the arrogance of the fresher i also remember a similar incident that i went through you know knowing this language alcohol i thought i was you know above everybody else hmm. you know, others wrote cobol and yeah. then uh, when in one of my assignments i was asked to write a report program i said now why should i write a report program yeah again my manager said no look you are here to do a job <laughs> yeah yeah that's interesting um, also we as programmers we think we know more than the user that's a problem we actually mm. have learnt it only then so mm. we know the mechanics that we have been explained but we don't know the real use as well as the user mm. and we don't we have a high ego to admit that portion of it so mm. so the computer was more powerful than the application in our mind that is a problem mm -hmm. so what was the uh, the toughest situation you had to face in your career technically toughest situation uh, there have been many the one that springs to my mind is one of my pet and uh, a project that i loved a lot um, this was for an airline called swissair and uh, we were actually uh, developing an emulator or a simulator whatever you want to call it but we called it an emulator that would replace their existing terminal systems you know when you go to the airport you find the, the, the i'm talking about the 80s and 90s now things are a little more different we used to have dumb terminals and uh, even dumber printers for printing tickets boarding pass etc and these terminals had very strange behavior and the communication system that the airlines used which was primarily driven by um you know american airlines and saber mm -hmm. uh, they had a special protocol called the airlines protocol or alc was the code name for the protocol okay now very strangely that was a 6 bit protocol and what the airlines did was they tried to in those days the communication speeds were limited so the efficiency of the operator at the check in counter is to make sure that a passenger that comes is disposed of as quickly as he can be in terms of checking the person in printing the boarding pass you know giving him the baggage tag everything to be done in a 
very quick time. So mm-hmm. the the emphasis and it was all experts who would be at the check-in counter. So the lot of codification it is completely unfriendly when it comes to user interface. It was character interface and it was actually a bunch of codes that would come and you know you interact very fast. And the key to that was to also keep the character set to only capital. So there was no need to have any fancy thing. So the the code was a six-bit code. Mm-hmm. And um, as you know that at a very low level, the communication um, happens at chip level. When, the, when, when you connect your, let's say nowadays you have Ethernet or whatever it is, you have these bit streams that come and they need to be decoded for you to get the actual information out. Mm-hmm. So they had this chip um, that Intel made which would be the one at the gate where the signal comes in from the network. Okay. And uh, most most uh, codes were 8-bit codes. Oh, ALC okay. was one of those very unusual 6-bit codes. So there were the in communication, there is something called synchronous communication in which you had these things called synchronizing bytes. Mm-hmm. These are bytes that come ahead of every message so that the system knows that what follows is a message for the computer. Okay. So these synchronizing bits were, we assumed it is two bytes, Hmm. Um, which means if your byte size is only six bits, two bytes is 12 bits. Right. So we thought that if we said, if you specified it as two bytes, it will synchronize with 12 bits. Mm -hmm. Whereas... um, it was actually two bytes as in 8-bit bytes. That is oh. what Intel had done. Oh. And they did not, accom- though it supported 6-bit protocol, two bytes always meant 16 and 8 bits. <laughs> so the manual should not have said two bytes or one byte. It should have said 8 bits or 16 bits, but it didn't say. Mm. So we went ahead and happily did the whole thing. And uh, there was no problem. The system was working brilliantly when we were testing it from Mumbai and the host was somewhere in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. But then when I went to Switzerland at Zurich, at the airline, um, the the speed in which the messages came was much faster. Okay. So what happened was this, these 12 bits were coming appended to another set of messages and so it will not sync. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think it's easy for me to explain uh, without a board and a diagram, but basically it will not synchronize. So okay. the whole system wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. So this was a multi-million dollar deal and uh, Burroughs' first break into any airline, any meaningful break into any airline. Mm-hmm. And we were ahead of everybody else until that particular point. Mm-hmm. And we thought that it's going to be a deal breaker. Mm-hmm. So luckily we figured out that the way to handle that is to put uh, four padding bits in the front, which we could do but it would still fail in some cases. So then we had to do an external, Burroughs did an external hardware sync and then we overcame. But that was a big challenge. It took us a lot of time to Hmm. do that. Hmm. So in the same project, there was another interesting, very interesting, again, a very technical problem. We had, in those days, you had something called, for error correction, there was something called cyclic redundancy check. Mm -hmm. Now, these are bytes that are added to messages to make sure that you got the message right. So it is verified at the end. It's like a checksum. And uh, that algorithm was basically, it's a polynomial division that you need to do. And 
it would take some time for us to compute that at the end of every message okay and we were really struggling to bring down the time that algorithm was taking when we were implementing it and i don't know if you remember there used to be this game called rats that people played on these microcomputers in those days where the yeah, rat goes all yeah. over and you catch so there was this guy who was playing rats Mm-hmm. and he was casually overhearing our discussion and breaking our head about how to reduce the number of steps mm-hmm. in solving the algorithm mm-hmm. he just some 15 minutes he just turned around and said listen guys your second step is reducing your input into one byte mm-hmm. so why don't you create a table that have output for each byte mm-hmm. and then just look up in the table then your number of instruction comes down to only 3 per, per each calculation wow that dropped the whole timing dramatically so these are things that i can never forget it's just some simple mm. solution mm. by somebody who was not even in the main part of the problem solving so there are many such mm. situations where mm. until you get the solution you have a lot of anxiety and you don't know how you are going to solve it mm-hmm. and suddenly you feel like you have reached it that is one take away for me is that i should play more games of course of course, <laughs> of course. Uh, and have people playing games around you yeah <laughs> good yeah, actually that's uh, that triggers another question um see this uh, whole you know, the airline business or even uh, the sheep actually i used to think that you no know, sheep came only in two colors black and white okay <laughs> uh, but it looks like wool has so many colors um no then there have been also changes in terms of how people have been developing software mm-hmm. you know from the mythical manman days or the ibm 360 that you saw where we used to have this uh, strictly hierarchical chief programmer team kind of models right to the more okay agile ways of working where the emphasis is on you know, teamwork how teams kind of you know, get together how teams can kind of solve the problems together and all that uh, so in your career you would have seen a lot of these changes or shifts or even you know, the fads that were there uh, what is your take on uh, you know the current uh, agile approaches that people are looking at my um, take actually is simple i think that um, there's a lot of hype around it i do agree that uh, agile as a framework is forcing people to be more uh, nimble and alert and uh, do quick deliveries fail, do de- do delivery quickly so you fail quickly so you get time to correct quickly all that i think there are positives that have come in this framework but i think all through my belief is that as a part of a delivery team one of the key things is to be always be uh focused on uh, what is to be delivered at the end I, let me rephrase myself for example there can't you need to really look at a situation and see how, what that situation demands and then react according to that for example let us say in those days uh, in nowadays hardware is like you know highly standardized uh, we have completely limited number of platforms so the challenges of having to wait for a particular hardware and a particular platform all that has gone but in those days also when it was like that and suddenly you don't have a hardware 
how do you react to say how do i utilize the time between now until like that time i get the hardware so you th thought on your foot and you said okay i will do this let's say i will probably develop pseudo code mm -hmm. and try to do some walk through so the the key i feel is that as a ma project manager or as a, as a person who is whatever title you give as a person who is responsible for ultimate delivery of the software i need to look at the situation and see what is the best way to utilize the resources continuously without wastage and uh, you know make sure that you utilize that in a way that is focused towards delivery of your ultimate software is the key to anything mm -hmm. so i i do believe there are some inherent strengths to different development methodologies like agile has certain strengths and i believe waterfall did have certain strengths everyone have their own strengths but you should not just rely on the strengths you should actually add your own value by trying to see what the variations in situation is and try to adapt according to that and take your team along with that that's that's the whole thing and i think it is still a heavily people process because even if you take in the current methodologies if you are not able to be sensitive to every team member and address the you know difficulties that are faced by the team member and then over help that difficulty be to be overcome in order to help you know go on as per your plans and estimates that's the key mm -hmm. so i i do believe there are inherent strengths in each methodologies but i don't think that itself is an answer to uh, on time on budget delivery i don't believe in that okay uh, we spoke about this before the, this uh, discussion uh, so just like you talk about the the process model or the methodology what is your take on um, you know the technology itself while uh, some people call it is all completely revolutionary changing to some extent uh, you know it seems to be kind of going back you know starting with you know mainframes which are monolithic then all these you know distributed systems and now again cloud is trying to consolidate it and earlier we used to have this thing of uh, the loop of learning from you know, whatever is happening which is now probably getting embedded in the ai machine learning deep learning and all that so people also talk about the you know, programmers being extinct etc so what is your take on you know, the technologies as applied to the software development process itself yeah i think there has been a lot of evolution i completely agree with that um but even today i think um i would call them developers rather than programmers are relevant the challenges and where the effort goes have been shifting continually for example if you remember when we started uh, you couldn't even take um, um, you know communication for granted you needed to write ndl code for you know making sure that the communications are all right you needed to worry about limitations in terminal devices and there were a lot of things that had to be taken care of so lot of focus was going into doing very what today is considered as very low level things and today what is assumed and completely uh, taken for granted could not be and you had to work at very low levels so there has been an evolution in the way um, development itself happens 
a uh, lot more can be achieved in terms of uh, uh, if you take some measure let's say story points or whatever it is you can do a lot more today than you had to because the infrastructure has uh, definitely changed mm-hmm. and i don't see this point lot of times hype is about specific things like deep learning or this or that but i think the real revolution that is making a difference is the integrated uh, fabric in which we are delivering solutions now so if you take various developments you know communication development speeds of communications have gone up standards standards in communications have uh, evolved heavily application interfaces have evolved heavily um, a lot of uh, uniformity has come in the way applications talk to each other things that were a challenge and we had to have external uh, negotiators they have all come down so yes uh, it is becoming simpler for example uh, you could put together a website a commercial website which uh, allows for even buying selling and a whole lot of things uh, with open software without writing a single line of code so that is where we are now so the emphasis for the developers will be in translating the requirements in a quick and meaningful way onto the existing platform so that the, the platform that is offered definitely has gone through a revolution from the time we started till now there are a lot of patterns that are common like you said things have been moving back and forth you know host based then it is like you know everything is distributed then you have this uh, client server whole those kind of things have been there are a lot of patterns that have kept repeating but the integrated platform that is available now uh, is far superior to what we had for example we didn't think something like cloud would have been meaningful without the kind of general communication infrastructure that has become prevalent across the world cloud mm-hmm. in idea could have been there host systems have been there you know putting something somewhere else and doing the processing there was always there but the meaningfulness of such technologies is lot more because other technologies have also developed so when i look at it as an integrated thing there has been a tremendous uh, change and ease with which we can do i don't know if i answered your question very well but those are my muddled thoughts about it yeah, just your views so uh, just that one bit which i am still curious about is uh, if you kind of project the acceleration of the change in technologies you know one thing that you mentioned from the you know the ndl days to you know, cloud making the interoperability of creating maybe more complex global systems easier from an infrastructure point of view if you extrapolate that so that is a question saying that the need for um, you know, a developer or a programmer uh in terms of the skill sets is also probably you know changing or has changed already so uh what would be your guidance or tip for those who are aspiring to get into software today or tomorrow having a means available to having a knowledge the tools that are available to i think i missed you i think i talked while you were talking can you repeat the whole thing shiv yeah um yeah in between i guess we also had some uh, internet issue internet issues yeah uh see you spoke about uh, you know the change in the technology and the infrastructure you know from being 
more discrete pieces that we had, whether it is not the NDL kind of environments, to with the cloud and standardization, the ability to create, say, complex applications or you know, globally available applications has become simpler. You are also talking about no-code kind of environments. Now, if you extrapolate that, you know, what would be your tip or guidance to people who want to get into software now? would be to um, spend more effort in understanding uh, how the mu human mind seeks answers and how uh, it, it tries to solve problems and where it does not want to keep repeating the same work. If we are able to pay attention to that and then take those requirements and translate it with the knowledge of the kind of tools that are available. That is where, so you need to be very knowledgeable about the variety of tools that are available at your disposal. For example, if somebody comes to a developer and says, I want to put together a website and I want to have uh, people calling in on their phone and getting answers to their questions at the same time, uh, also want to search and then get certain uh, pictures delivered to them in their handheld mobile. Uh, there could be variety of uh, requirements that will become, which which are very you know new, which which would not have been things that we would we would have thought about ten years from now. Now today, mm -hmm. that same thing can be easily done with. You know, tools that are available from Google, Amazon, or Microsoft in terms of voice interfaces. In fact, Amazon is, I think, already, if not announced, it's going to announce something where you can use their voice uh, as an interface that you can actually program and get it to answer your questions. And you can write specific voice-based apps. So mm -hmm. it's going to become more and more like, um, you know, some, and there are a lot of AI tools available also. Mm -hmm. learning tools available so you, you should be able to understand so don't focus on learning a particular language rather try to learn the platforms that are available tools that are available that can be translated to something that the user can actually uh, explore towards solving his own problems for example if you remember when we started this company in 94 uh, Com objects were becoming very popular and uh, Microsoft came up with this whole com architecture. Mm -hmm. The whole idea with which we started this company was to build a repository of application components mm -hmm. that can be sutured together to build any kind of application that anybody wanted. It was a very ambitious plan, but it was something that was not unthinkable. It could have been done. Mm -hmm. The thing is, a lot of uh, assumptions that you make keep shifting and you lose focus and you don't get there, but the industry gets there. So today you can actually, if you take some of the things that are available in open source, let's say, even if you take a specific platform like WordPress, the amount of tools that are available, you can create a meaningful uh, website, which can actually do some transactions with just the plugins that are available and you can do that like that. Imagine you are going to be you will be made available a lot of platforms, a good technical understanding of what these platforms offer, how they can be sutured together to deliver a particular solution. That is where I would 
recommend developers focus that is one level of developers the other ones are the ones that create the tools there you need to actually have sharper you know understanding of maths and theory of automata and whole lot of fundamental sciences that is one area you could focus and develop so these are two things if you are an application programmer focus on tools how to bring them together and understand communication so that you can talk to the users understand their requirements and translate them into solutions mm, very nicely put yeah actually uh, it just triggered one thought when we started this conversation you spoke about uh, you know the need to understand what the user wants whether it is the full color or whatever mm-hmm. and uh, i think that theme still continues in your advice to you know the people who are entering now is about solving problems having that empathy for users so i think that's a great message gopal um, thank you yeah. so yeah, thanks a lot for you know taking the time to share at least some snippets from you know the nearly four decade long career i'm sure uh, you know, our audience might have more questions and we may probably have to do you know, maybe a couple of more episodes on the stories you have a very nice way of you know bringing in the technology the challenge and the solution in the form of a, a nice story yeah thanks a lot gopal thank you shiv and it was a pleasure and many of the things that i have said i have learned working with you so that also i want to share at this point thanks a lot thank you gopal bye